Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, I want to welcome you to Blue Ridge Church, whether you're streaming with us, our online campus, or you're here in person, man, it's always good to have you with us. Listen, if this is your first time here, we're not going to make you stand up and introduce yourself. I'm not going to ask you for anything or do anything strange. We are just thrilled that you're here because today we're finishing up a series that we've been in for four weeks now. We kicked off this series at the beginning of the year called Past Tense. And what we're doing is we're looking at things in our life that we tend to not leave past tense. We tend to bring them and live them in the present when they truly should be in the past. So week one, we looked at guilt and shame and how we will carry our guilt and shame to every season and every stage of our life if we don't deal with it. And then the second week, we looked at sin, overall sin, and how should we deal with our sin? You know, should we conceal it or should we confess it? And we learned that it's best just to confess it to the person or the the people that need to know and to move on so that it can stay past tense. And then last week, you know, how about that snow, right? Well, we all uh, watched online with our online campus, and we talked about rejection. And we learned that uh, rejection is something we're all going to face. I mean, Christ was rejected by the people, so we know we're going to experience rejection. But what we don't want to do is get so caught up in our personal rejection that we miss the love of Christ that he offers to us and we ultimately end up rejecting him, which is the ultimate form of rejection. So if you didn't get to, to, to be here or to watch any of those talks, they're all available on our website if you want to keep up with the series. But what I want to finish up with today is I want to look at loneliness. And loneliness is one of those things that we have a very difficult time uh, putting past tense. We can identify it, we can see it in our life but we don't move it quickly enough into the past. And the truth is, loneliness is something we all face. You're either going through a season of loneliness right now, or you've just come out of a season of loneliness, or you're getting ready to head into a season of loneliness. Isn't that encouraging? Yeah, glad I could help. Glad I could cheer you up today. But it's true. Loneliness does not discriminate. It's going to impact every single one of us, no matter who we are. So if you want to follow along with our notes today, they are available on that Church Center app, or you can scan that QR code on your seat back, or you can simply just watch the side screens and all the screens in the auditorium. But learning number one, we all face loneliness, and the best course of action is to deal with it immediately. If we're going to put loneliness, past tense, we have to deal with it immediately and we have to deal with it quickly. And again, this is a battle at some point in your life, multiple times in your life and in my life, we're going to face. It affects every single person. Can you be famous and lonely? Yes. Can you be rich and lonely? I don't know, but I'd like to give it a shot, right? (laughs) Of course you can. Can you be old and lonely? Yes. Young and lonely? Yes. Single and lonely? Yes. Married and lonely? Yes. Can you be a Dallas Cowboys fan and be lonely? 
they're pretty lonely this weekend, right? No, no game to, too early, right? Too soon? Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Apologize to all the Cowboy fans. But it really doesn't matter who we are. Doesn't matter how well off we're doing or how bad off we're doing. Doesn't matter what personal issues we got going on in our life. Doesn't matter our health or our wealth or our status. We are going to face loneliness in our life. Even when you look at some of the greats in the scripture, they struggled with loneliness. So I think it's incredibly important that this is something we deal with quickly and immediately and we put it past tense because loneliness is one of the deepest forms of human pain that we're ever going to feel. It really is. Now, there's a big difference in being lonely and being alone, right? You can be alone and not be lonely. You could go off by yourself and get some solitude, get some peace and quiet, get away from everybody. You're alone, but you're not lonely. But on the other side of that coin, you could be surrounded by people every single day and yet be lonely, right? Ask any stay-at-home parent, you know, that's with kids all day long or any teacher that's with kids all day long. They're surrounded by people, yet they feel all alone. Now, one of the myths about loneliness, as we begin to discuss it, is we think it's just a singles issue. Right? Just single people deal with loneliness. And that's kind of as a culture what we've taught single people. This is something that you're going to face. But it's not just a, a singles issue. And singles think, well, if, if it's going to impact me, then I'll just go out and I'll get in a relationship or I'll get married and, and I'll never be lonely again. That doesn't work that way. Because often when we're lonely, we go out and we find another lonely person. And guess what? Two lonely people, you still have two lonely people. It's not just a singles issue. As a matter of fact, uh, marriage, loneliness can be magnified in a marriage. And that truly is the worst kind of pain when it's in the context of a marriage and you're lonely. I mean, you're with this person that is supposed to complete you. You're supposed to become one in God's eyes. And, you know, you're anything but close to a great relationship. You can live under the same roof. You can eat meals together every night. You can watch television together every night, yet you still feel all alone. So loneliness is something that we have to deal with. And what's crazy is, is in our culture, when people are dealing with loneliness or, or any other issue for that matter, we try to cheer them up, don't we? We have a lot of cliches that we use to try to make people feel better about their situation. Like, let's say you're lonely because you've been through a breakup. Breakup with a boyfriend, girlfriend. You've gone through a painful divorce. And then somebody comes up to you and says, oh, well, it's better to have loved and lost than to not have loved at all. Really? <laughs> I mean, who even wrote that? Right? But that's what we do. We come up with these fancy cliches to try to make people feel better in their season of loneliness or whatever they're experiencing. Or, or the more things change, the more they stay the same. You ever heard that one? Or how about, you know, you just need to, you need to try harder. You need to give it 110%. Can you even do that? And it's not just society that has these one-offs that seem so shallow and so hollow that really don't make us feel any better or move us 
past our loneliness. We do this in the church world too. Somebody could be struggling with loneliness. They feel like they're all alone. They feel like they're the only person. They feel like they have no one to go to or to connect to. And they finally say something like, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and I'm going to try to connect with God. I'm going to show up at church. And as well-meaning as most churches are, somebody will say, well, you're never alone because God's always with you. Which is true, but it doesn't help when we're completely down and discouraged and lonely. It's true. It's a truth in Scripture, but it's so hard to see sometimes when we're lonely and completely alone that God's with us. But I know his promises say that he is. As a matter of fact, I brought some of those verses. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. God's with us. We shouldn't feel lonely. How about Isaiah 41.10? So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Even Jesus' own words, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the second part of that verse, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So I understand. I shouldn't ever be lonely because God is with me. And I understand that the Bible says that when I am lonely, I can cling to some of these promises that God's always going to be with me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. And while I believe that and, and many of you believe that, let's just be honest. It's incredibly difficult to see God in our life when we go through dark seasons in our life, whether it's loneliness or whether it's something else that we're struggling with. So how do we we move forward? How do we move forward out of loneliness towards meaningful community or meaningful relationships with other people? How do we overcome the, the loneliness that at times in our lives makes us feel like we are totally and completely alone? And so we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament today about a guy who experienced extreme loneliness, what he did about that loneliness, and how he experienced God in the midst of that loneliness. And this person we're going to look at today, we've already looked at in this series, and we looked at this person in week two, and that's David. Now, as a point of clarification, when we looked at David week two, when we talked about our sin and confessing instead of concealing our sin. David was the king of Israel. Where we're going to look at David today, he's not yet the king of Israel. This is prior to him becoming the king of Israel. And and what we're going to look at is we're going to look at, uh, really it's a poem in Psalm 142. It's about this incredibly lonely time in his life and what what was going on. But to understand what was going on, we got to back up a little bit. And we got to see a picture of what was going on in David's life. And we got to go back to 1 Samuel. Remember I told you week two that 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, they tell us a lot about David's life. Well, we got to understand the context of what's going on before we get to this, this poem, if you will, psalm that David wrote about loneliness. And 
what's going on in David's life is King Saul is after him. King Saul was the first king of Israel. David was the second. King Saul discovers that God is going to give the kingdom of Israel to a new king. Because Saul's been disobedient. Saul hasn't followed God's ways. And so he's going to turn over the people of Israel to another king. Well, Saul finds out about this and he becomes incredibly jealous of David. And so to keep kind of eyes on David to to try to thwart God's plan, he pulls David into into his kingdom, into his court. And he has David doing different things for him, but he really wants to keep an eye on him to make sure that he can, he wants to try to stop David from becoming king. Well, what happens is because of David's victories in battle, because of his leadership, because of his charisma, he becomes incredibly popular with the nation of Israel. He, he's like the Tom Brady or the, the Josh Allen, if you will, of Israel. Everybody wants to be around him. He's really popular. He's well-known. And he, he gains more popularity than the king. Well, this makes King Saul furious, even more jealous of David. And so one day in a fit of rage, Saul throws a spear at David to try to kill him and to take him out. And that's where we're going to pick up this story. David's on the run fearing for his life because King Saul's trying to kill him. Okay? So 1 Samuel 22 verses 1 through 2. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. Now you read that and for some of you that work in a big office setting or, or, or you're with a lot of people all the time, that sounds like a typical day to you, right? You're surrounded by the less than ideal. And David is hiding in this cave. He's scared of King Saul who's trying to kill him. He's going through incredible loneliness. He's experiencing turmoil in his soul. And somehow, the people discover that he's hiding in this cave. I don't know how they got word out quickly back then. Somebody posted on social media, all right, it's, it's over. David's hiding in the cave. Let's go hang out with him. I don't know how they got word out, but all these people find out David's hiding in this cave, and they decide they're going to go and join him. So he's at literally one of the lowest seasons, if not the lowest season of his life, and all these people start to show up. He's completely alone, lonely, yet all these people come. Surrounded by all these people, and he still feels completely alone and lonely. Has that that ever happened to you? You're surrounded by people. You've got people around you, but you still feel all alone. Or have you ever gotten to the point that you asked yourself, am I the only one going through this? Am I the only one that's dealing with loneliness? And the answer to that is no. But often, like David, we feel like we're the only one experiencing it. And there's nobody else around us that would understand what we're going through because they're not dealing with it. So this week, as I'm looking at this and thinking about loneliness, I did some research on the Internet. And I found some pretty interesting things about loneliness. And and as, as I was reading some of this stuff, I thought about 
the pandemic and what we did to people, you know, starting in what, March of 2020 and how we locked them in their homes and told them, you know, don't go around people. And, and not knowing it then, but we were just adding to their problem of loneliness if they were struggling with loneliness. We were just making it worse. But listen to some of these uh, facts according to the Art and Healing Institute of the United States. Social connections, in other words, interaction with other people have a profound effect on mortality. In other words, there is as high as a 30% increased risk of early death if someone suffers from chronic loneliness. I read that, I'm like, dude, what? I'm never going to complain about people being around me, <laughs> right? That's crazy. One out of every three American adults struggles currently with loneliness. Loneliness has negative effects on our mental health and our physical health. And then the one that really got me, loneliness increases our risk for depression, substance abuse, and suicide. And I don't share these statistics to sink everybody into uh, deep levels of depression before you go home and watch playoff games today, but to show us the importance of dealing with loneliness. Because often we're not going through it right now. We talk about something on Sunday and we're like, oh, that doesn't affect me. This will affect us. So what do we do when life seems to disconnect us from any meaningful relationships or disconnect us from any connections that are important to us in life? What do we do when we get lonely? And I think often our response is the same as David's. We run off to a cave, right? We run off and we hide and we isolate and we stay as far away from people as possible. So back to the story, David's sitting in this cave. He's at the lowest season of his life. He's struggling with loneliness. He's surrounded by 400 people who have their own share of issues that they need to deal with. But out of this experience comes a, an incredible psalm about how he's feeling and how, he's, how he deals with this loneliness. And it's Psalm 142, and I want to read it right now. I cry out loudly to God. Loudly I plead with God for mercy. I spell out all my complaints before him and spell out my troubles in detail. As I sink in despair, my spirit ebbing away, you know how I'm feeling. Know the danger I'm in, the traps hidden in my path. Look right, look left. There's not a soul who cares what happens. I'm up against the wall with no exit. It's just me all alone. I cry out, God, call out. You're my last chance, my only hope for life. Oh, listen, please listen, I've never been this low. Rescue me from those who are hunting me down. I'm no match for them. Get me out of this dungeon so I can thank you in public. Your people will form a circle around me and you'll bring me showers of blessings. And that's from the message. I think... A lot of us can identify with the words of this psalm that David wrote during this dark season of his life. So I want to look at what can we learn from this to quickly put our loneliness past tense and move forward in the present. And I think like David, we have to be honest with God. 
about our issues. We see that David opens up by just complaining to God about his situation, right? And, and I think we need to do that. I think we just need to complain to God about whatever's going on in our life and why we're feeling the loneliness. And then in verse 6, David said, You're my last chance, my only hope for life. Oh, listen, please listen. I've never been this low. Then he says, get me out of this dungeon. Isn't that what loneliness feels like? Like we're in a dungeon? Like we're trapped? So when God feels absent, which he often does when we're lonely, when people seem absent from our life, I think a good starting point is just to complain to God. Just to complain to God and tell him what's going on. There's actually a pattern in the Bible where we see this, where people offer their complaints to God. Psalm 44, we're going to look at now. Again, David and the people of Israel bring their complaints to God. It says this, starting in verse 9, But now you have tossed us aside in dishonor. You no longer lead our armies to battle. You make us retreat from our enemies and allow those who hate us to plunder our land. You have butchered us like sheep and scattered us among the nations. You sold your precious people for a pittance, making nothing on the sale. And they continue in 23 and 24. Wake up, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Get up. Do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? <laughs> and we read that and we're like, man, that is being brutally honest with God. Hey, God, you've harmed us. You've hurt us. You've let our enemies uh, destroy us. They told God exactly what they were thinking. And I think we have to learn to do the same. We have to be honest about our complaints. And our complaints are okay to God if it's going to lead us to something that legitimately needs to be fixed in our life. And often through our complaining, God will show us what we need to work on, right? Or it'll come to fruition through our complaints. It's like, wait a minute, I need to work on this. And our complaints to God, they may not come out exactly the way we want to, but it'll identify often things that we need to fix. That's what happened to David. When we can get to the point we come to God and say, God, uh, this is what's going on in my life. This is what I feel like you've allowed to happen in my life. God gets excited about that because that starts the intimate relationship with God. When we can truly come clean and complain about what's going on in our life and, and then begin to see what it is we need to fix. Just be honest with him. If we can't be honest with God, we're never going to have an authentic relationship with him. If we can't be honest with Christ, how are we going to grow closer and closer to Christ each day? And listen, the Lord's not surprised. The Lord already knows Knows We're not going to shock God with our complaints. Oh, wow, I didn't think Scott was so upset about that. I didn't know Scott was dealing with loneliness. But when we can be totally honest 
with the Lord and lay it all on the line, I think God gets excited because he knows we're ready to do something about it. We're ready to move forward. If you've got kids, you understand this. Don't you want your kids to come to you for guidance and direction? Hey, Dad, how do I do this? Mom, this is what's going on. But first, you want them to come completely clean with whatever's going on in their life so you can give them wise counsel. Hey, bring it. Tell me, what's, tell me what the issue is. It's okay to complain, and then let me help you move forward. God's the same way. So learning number two, God will not force himself into our life, but when we're completely honest with where we're at, God will move us forward. God will move us forward. So it's okay to just open up and spill everything to God. And often we will identify what needs to be fixed. The next thing I think we need to do is clearly identify where that loneliness comes from. What's causing our our loneliness? Because we can just stay in that loneliness, right? Never move it past tense, or we can move forward out of that season. And to move forward out of that season, we got to identify where our loneliness comes from. And it can be a wide, range, a wide array of reasons why we're lonely. Psalm 142, 3 and 4 says, look right, look left. There's not a soul who cares what happens. I'm up against the wall with no exit. It's just me all alone. So David begins to move beyond the emotions that he's feeling. And he starts to identify exactly what's going on in the source of his loneliness. And he's like, I'm all alone. I don't see any way out. I am up against the wall. Often, loneliness feels that way. We cannot see a way out. So learning number three, we get stuck in seasons of loneliness because we don't understand what's causing our loneliness. So what could cause your loneliness? What could cause my loneliness, practical things that could cause it. Maybe we're like David, we feel like nobody understands and nobody's going through it like we are, that we're the only one. Maybe it's a period of transition. Periods of transition can be a breeding ground for loneliness. Like let's say you just moved to this area. Or, or you just moved to another area if you're, you're watching somewhere else. Or you started a new job. Those periods of transition. Maybe you've just come out of a relationship. You've just gone through a divorce or a breakup. Those are all areas that loneliness is very prevalent. There's several people uh, that I know have, have retired recently. And when you retire... Often you, you don't know what to do. It's like I had all this purpose and I knew what to do in my job and I went to my job every day and now I don't have that. That's a transition. And it's an opportunity for loneliness to rear its ugly head. Or maybe you just don't have any meaningful interaction with other people. Sure, you got a friend group that you hang out with on occasion, but there's no meaning to those relationships. They don't go deep enough for you. Or maybe you feel rejected like we talked about last week from another person, a friendship you've lost, or a dating relationship you've lost, and now you're lonely. 
or just overall purpose. You don't feel like you got a purpose anymore. Or you haven't discovered what God's put you on this earth for. All those can be reasons for loneliness, but we have to identify the source of our own loneliness. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. So David's in this cave. He begins to complain. He opens up his heart, and he begins to realize what's going on, and he realizes that it's not just about Saul chasing him and Saul trying to put him to death. He realizes that it's deeper than that. He's like, God, I'm at my lowest point. I don't have any friends. All I've got are enemies. They're surrounding me. I feel totally alone. I realize just how vulnerable I am without you. I realize you are my only hope. He's starting to peel back the the, the layers and layers of emotions that he's dealing with so that he can try to understand exactly what's going on. And when we can deal do that, and and the emotions come first, and we start to peel that back, I think we can truly identify what's going on and what's causing it, and then we can begin to do something about it. In Psalm 142, 5 and 7, David said, Rescue me from those who are hunting me down. I'm no match for them. Get me out of this dungeon so I can thank you in public. Your people form a circle around me, And you'll bring me showers of blessing. I think he's alluding to the kingship in that verse. But you see, sometimes when we're in a dark season or a low season and we're struggling with loneliness and we cry out to God and we make those complaints to God, often that's as far as we go. And we just stop. And now we just wait on God to to come on in, right, and, and fix me. But David has the attitude where he basically says, I'm going to push forward because I know God's going to be there. Even though he can't feel him, he knows God's going to be there. He knows God's promise to give him uh, the kingdom of Israel. He knows he's got a job to do for God. He knows he's got something else. And I think sometimes God wants us to take a step forward. He understands our seasons of loneliness. He's trying to heal our hearts, but in the meantime, he wants us to do something. To take an intentional step to connect with others or to do something to fix our loneliness. You ever had really good advice and you didn't take it? I see this all the time working with people. You know, or, or when people go to counseling, and, and counseling's wise. Sometimes we just need to talk to somebody else. And you may not need a counselor. You may have a friend that you can talk to. But, you know, we go to counselors for wisdom and guidance and direction. And, and then the counselor gives us great wisdom and guidance and direction. And then we get home and we do what? Nothing. We don't do it. We know this is going to help us. This, we know this is going to improve our health. We know this is going to improve our life. We know this is going to improve our relationship. We know this is going to improve our relationship with Jesus, yet we don't do it. And I, some, I think sometimes that's the way we are with God. He tells us what to do. We know what to do, yet we don't want to do it. But David decided he wasn't going to let loneliness define him. He wasn't going to let the loneliness he was experiencing overtake his life. He was intentional about moving forward, knowing that promise that God was going to be with him. Even if he didn't feel him, he knew God was going to be with him. 
And I think we have to be intentional about taking steps forward to put loneliness past tense as soon as we experience it. I think we all at least owe it to ourselves to ask a question, am I moving forward right now or am I stuck in the past of my loneliness? Am I content with where I'm at or am I willing to allow God to move me forward? I I think a great antidote practically for loneliness is activity, right? It's actually moving ahead and moving forward. And when it comes to loneliness, we're going to have to take intentional steps to connect with others. And that's really the last thing we want to do when we're hiding in that cave because of our loneliness. See, we were not created to be alone. We were not created by God to live in isolation. We have to be connected to other people. And when we become connected to other people, it helps put loneliness past tense. And and the only place I'm going to speak from This morning is from a body of Christ perspective. I don't care where you go to church. If you go to church here, you go to church somewhere else. But there's several places in the body of Christ we can connect with others. And one of the greatest places is through groups. We offer groups here three times a year. It's not a life sentence if you sign up for a group. It's six to ten weeks. Then you can get out. You don't have to fake your death to get out of a group. It's pretty cool. Right? But we offer them three times a year. And... It's today, starting today, we have group leader sign-ups. So there's people in this church that sign up, new people every time, to lead groups. Because they know that people need to connect with other people. Some of our groups are study groups. Some of our groups are mission groups. Some of our groups are just fun groups. You just get together and do something fun. But it's a way to intentionally connect with other people. They're on the same path you are. They want to grow in their relationship with the Lord. But it helps so much deal with those periods of loneliness that we face. And again, we can make those relationships as strong as we want to. And the other place in the body of Christ is serve on a volunteer team. And it's not just about getting people to serve. Yes, we need people to serve. Nothing happens at this church without our wonderful group of hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. But it's also a great way to connect with other people. We have all kinds of teams. We've got a kid's team and a greeter team and a parking team. Have you ever seen those parking guys and gals out there in the parking lot? They love what they're doing. Half the time they're out there yakking and waving and high-fiving each other, and and y'all are just driving by. But they love it. They're They're doing a great job, but they're connecting with each other. You can serve with our youth. You can serve in the coffee ministry, but get the tech team, the band. I'm thinking about trying out for the band. But you can connect with other people. See, I think loneliness, we can make it past tense. We can learn to identify it quickly, know what these triggers are, especially times of transition and and what we're experiencing. And when we try to isolate ourselves, we got to tell ourselves, hey, this is loneliness. I got to do something about it. And we got to take a step. God will be there. But I think sometimes he expects us to move forward and take a step. Let's pray together. God, first of all, thank you that you do love us. Lord, 
that you love us and we're truly never alone. Forgive us when we feel like we are and you're not there. We, we know what your word tells us. We know what you reiterate time and time again, that you're always with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. But God, sometimes loneliness gets the best of us. And I pray, Lord, for those that are going through a season of loneliness right now, that you would help them to quickly move that past tense. Put someone in their life, a connection, a relationship, and move them out of that. Lord, help us to focus on you and our relationship with you and becoming more like you. That's just going to help us to know that you're with us even more. Lord, thank you for this series. That we've learned so many things and there's so many more we could talk about that we can truly leave past tense. Jesus, that's why you came. You paid the penalty for all of our sin. And there's no need for us to continue to try to carry it. It's truly passed with you. It needs to be past tense with us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. We're just willing to listen. All of us are just willing to listen to you and learn because we want to come more like you. Help us to continue to tell our community and beyond, Jesus, how you change lives. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Real quick, as we finish up, uh, our Trail Life and American Heritage Girls groups are in the lobby this week and next week they are going to be collecting sleeping bags, tents, and air mattresses. They can be brand new or they can be gently used. So if you tried that camping thing and gave up on it really quick, bring your stuff in here because they're donating it to our local homeless shelter. Uh, to help out. It's a great cause, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that. And, and I want to ask you to be in prayer for our youth. Uh, we got a picture. This is our youth. They are currently in Gatlinburg. They're heading home. They're expected home about three or four. As a matter of fact, they're probably getting ready to get on the road. But we set in, sent an incredible team of volunteers with our kids to the Resurrection Conference. That's a way that they're connecting with the youth. If, if you Want to serve with the youth, man? I encourage you to do that. You will feel young or they'll completely wear you out, one or the other. But be in prayer for them uh, as they come home. They've had a meaningful weekend. Uh, hopefully they've grown in their faith. Uh, some of them are experiencing Christ for the first time, invited Christ into their life for the first time. So be in prayer for our youth. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I guess that's it. I guess... The next step is to let you know next week we're kicking off a brand new series called Amazing Grace. And in this series, we're going to look at just how awesome God's grace is and the different elements and the different aspects of God's grace. So if you're not doing anything next Sunday, I pray you would tune in with our online campus or you'd come here. And I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon, a great week. Uh, stay safe, be in prayer for those who are sick, and come back and see us next Sunday. God bless you guys.